Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast. Hello, welcome to Into Security, the Info Security Magazine podcast. My name's Dan Rayward, I'm the Deputy Editor of Info Security Magazine. And today, well, not quite flying solo, but unfortunately, Michael Hill is ill and cannot join us. So we are joined by, well, our first ever guest uh, speaker, I should say, a guest host. Um, welcome, Editorial Director Eleanor Dalloway. <laughs> Hi, thanks, Dan. Um, and I just want to start by doing a huge Get Well shout out to uh, Michael, um, who sadly can't be here today. So get well soon, Michael. Um, I feel a bit like Holly Willoughby on I'm a Celebrity when Antor Deck Ant was uh, yeah. was out for a season and Holly had to step in. So yes, I'm Holly Willoughby today. Um, so thanks for having me. And um, what we're going to do today, because it's our tenth edition podcast. Um, and as we're going into Christmas, we want to do something a little bit different and a little bit special. So I'm going to go back to my editor roots and uh, be an interviewer today. And our very own Dan Raywood is in the hot seat to answer some of the questions I've got, mainly looking back at 2019 in review, but also looking forward at 2020. So are you game, Dan? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I think it's been... It's been an interesting year overall, and I'll get to your question to sort of quick summarise. It's hard to pick out a lot of trends, and actually I did run a, an article this week on, it was published on the 11th of December, called Top 10 Things We Learned in 2019. This was a bit of a brain dump for me of just things I think that change the industry. Um, so, well, maybe let's kick off your questions then and see if they come up. Okay, let's see if they come up, and then anything we miss you can fill in at the end. So. Firstly, from a journalist perspective, because it's quite rare that we actually get the chance to ask the journalists, the writers of the industry, the questions. How do you think that 2019 compared on a newsworthiness scale to 2018? Did we have more to write about, less? Was it more interesting? I, I think, actually, I think there was probably more. Um, I'll, I'll echo some of the things I've heard in some other podcasts where it's been more of a hard news year. We... Um, We've heard a lot more about state-sponsored hacking, I think. We've heard a lot more about surveillance, about kind of, I mean, one of, one of the things I picked out in this article um, actually was, actually, I, I like, it didn't actually make the final cut, actually, um, was about ransomware. And the reason right at ransomware, we've seen cities be ransomware now, entire cities kind of be targeted or not, not well, we don't know if they are targeted, they certainly get getting taken down by one service, for example. It seems to be the case like Baltimore and another case was Johannesburg. Entire cities getting hit. So I think there's been that side of it. There's been um, also uh, another thing we picked out was GDPR fines. We spent the end of 2018 waiting for first enforcement notices about GDPR and it took until July 2019, so a year and two months or whatever, before we got the first intent to fine from the Information Commissioner's Office. So in a way, we're sort of sitting around waiting for bad news. So I think, yeah, to sort of answer the question, it's a case of, it's hard to pick out overall trends, but I think there has been some real key stories which have been pretty hard hitting. So yeah, overall, I think it's been a quite a busy year and a lot of hard news. And what's been your what's been the most interesting story that you've uh, picked up in 2019? Something um, a bit different. Yeah. Well, again, I'll refer back to the, um, uh, the, the the article we wrote, and I'm going to pick up the one we did. Is this was a story actually that came out of the RSA conference in San Francisco back in I think it was February. Um, the NSA actually released an open source reverse engineering tool called uh, 
it's G-H-I-D-R-A. I'm going to call it Ghidra. I don't know if, if that's actually the correct way to actually pronounce it. Um, but this would help analyze malicious code and malware, give users a better understanding of potential vulnerabilities in their networks and systems. The, of course, a lot of people see government security agencies like the NSA, and they'll think of them as a generally as a negative influence, that they, they're doing surveillance. Obviously, we're still sort of six years on now from the... Edward Snowden revelations, and um, that's on my Christmas reading list, by the way, is <laughs> his book. I finally bought. I bought it months ago. I still haven't read it. And um, yeah, spoken by a true infosec expert. Well, yeah. Why not spend Christmas reading some infosec books? You know, <laughs> and um, we've. Um, yeah, so, but the NSA actually kind of went very public this year and actually provided something to the security community. Again, this, this reverse engineering tool. So I thought that was a real kind of game changer, actually, because we, we get a lot of, we have a lot of conversations about open source uh, code being, you know, a lot, having a lot of problems with it. But at the same time, we talk to a lot of vendors who say we're going to open source this, put it in GitHub and things like that. And actually for the NSA to do it, I thought was a real sort of interesting step for them. Okay, so I'd like to talk a little bit about data breaches. Mm. Uh, only yesterday we were contacted by a, you know, a national news outlet asking us to go on and talk about um, the latest loyalty cards data breach at Morris, was it Morrison's? Yeah, Morrison's loyalty point scheme, yeah. So I'm wondering, are we seeing these data breach stories coming up at the same kind of pace that we always have and as regularly? And the second question to that would be, are the public, are the, in, or the, are the general public becoming a bit immune to these stories? Is it just noise now that we've sort of heard it all before? I'd say yes on both. I would say yes, we're seeing more and more. I mean, we, we do quite a lot of content. We do about six, a minimum six news stories every day on info security. And I don't think we're covering everything sometimes. It's, there's that many things. I look at the top stories on our, as we currently record, uh, my top most read, it's uh, a breach from Microsoft, it's a data leak exposes 750,000 birth certificate applications, um, and there's UK government issues charity warning, uh, sorry, cyber security warning to charities, uh, and Pensacola under attack, it's all negative stuff, but um, yeah, data breach, it just, just feels like things, things kind of don't seem to be getting any better, things seem to be getting worse and worse, and whether it's I don't know, maybe it's because of the compliance regulations like GDPR. Uh, next year we'll see CCPA, which we might get onto a bit later. But various uh, privacy regulations are now in, in making companies disclose data breaches. So maybe that's what's driving things up. Maybe it's the kind of the, the way the news is driven now, where everyone's trying to find a new story and find something that's unique. Um, or, or maybe it's just the fact that companies' security is getting harder and harder. It's probably a combination of all three. But yeah, first question is definitely, I think things are getting worse. The second question, I definitely think people are getting kind of um, blasé about this. Fatigue has definitely set in. I think people would... I don't know if we have this, the issue so much in the UK where you know people, a company will offer like data monitoring and they're like, we're really sorry, here's 12 months of, of uh, credit... Uh, credit agency coverage and it's like you know, is that really enough you know we, we still not getting over these breaches so I wonder how much the, the companies actually do care about this but also how much are they taking the effort to actually do better security with the customer in mind because sometimes it's all a bit like you know it happens and then no one's really thinking about it anymore so as someone that's far more educated than the public about these things what data breach story would make you your ears perk mm. up and you start to to worry and think actually this is really serious 
Well, the one we that I put into second as our top ten things learned things we learned was about Capital One's breach, which was uh, I can't remember the exact date. I think it was around about July, June or July this year. Um, now, Capital One, obviously a big financial services player, big in the credit card space, and some might think, well, yeah, okay, it's a pain, replace the credit cards. But this was actually another breach of AWS uh, by a rogue insider, and this is one of these stories that ran and ran and ran because so many things happened. You know, they found out the person who did it was a former uh, employee who had kind of gone rogue. They ended up, you know, being charged. There was all various uh, claims about that person. Staff departures, I think there were some security staff and C-level people who left. Uh, but that, that would what made me interesting is how did it happen? If it was just the, the days of when lost USB sticks, I don't think are with us anymore. We don't see those anymore. I don't think people don't use USB so much. It's things like cloud services being broken, you know, which we believe to be sort of pretty impenetrable. But actually, the um, you know, hackers are getting into these things now because of password use, which is very similar to the Morrison story. Okay, you this year you wrote your second edition of the State of Cybersecurity Report, um, which was a huge success, so well done on that. I think AI was the top trend, is, is that right? Is that the top finding? It was top for the future, yeah, the top, top for the future. The top one for overall for the current was... Um, you think I present this enough times? I should remember. Uh, technology <laughs> troubles. Sorry, that was it. You think I've been reading this for six months? Um, it was uh, technology troubles and uh, configuration and sort of detection problems. Okay, so on the AI trend, because everybody likes talking about it, what were the key findings around that? Then talk us in a little bit more detail about what came up around that. So the, the issues with AI have been actually the reason it came out as a trend have actually been quite mixed uh, because. Some people were very positive, some were very negative. I kind of rolled them all into sort of the same trend because it's, it's something that people are talking about. Uh, automation, and some people have raised this with me when I've actually presented this, is that it's quite a, a, a varied term because you're tying in AI and machine learning, which are two quite related things, but also some people kind of get a bit uh, headstrong saying they're different, and so you can't please everybody. But um, I think the, th the thing is, is that we're talking about it, it buys into the staff shortage idea where there's not enough people to do all the work, where we're seeing so many alerts come in that people lose track uh, and can't keep up with all the various alerts that are being um, uh, you know, raised by the various technologies. So you need to start actually getting uh, automating things like alerts uh, to, well, to deal with the alerts, basically. So that, that's been one trend. The other thing that's been interesting is this, this kind of talk about the trend from a negative perspective, people saying it's you know it's a lot of we call FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, one of the interesting conversations I had was with a, a CISO, a very large publishing group in central London, and he was kind of like the first CISO they'd had, so he was almost building it from the ground up, and he was saying, yeah, we're really into like machine learning, which made me wonder if this is something that a new company, so uh, you know, think sort of the the top new companies can build into while. Now, criticizing anyone, I'd say more of a legacy company, let, let, let's say a bank, for example, who have probably had a security team since the 1990s, how much can they adopt it into their technology? So that, that's where it was, the trend was, was very much from a, a mixed perspective, but it's about enabling people to work more efficiently, to kind of complete more tasks, and also to um, uh, you know, actually get a, get a hold of a trend that everyone seems to be talking about. Okay. And... Do you want to talk us through a few more of your findings from that report that you thought were particularly poignant or interesting? 
testing yeah. you again. Yeah, 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 testing my memory. It's been a, yeah, I've been presenting this now for quite a few months, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, well, it's available on the website, but uh, you know, you can watch my various talks on YouTube from some of the conferences like SteelCon and um, and B sides Belfast, where. Uh, you can watch me trying to run through a lot of data in about 40 minutes. Um, so yeah, I'll run through the top five trends actually as they were. Um, the, the number one I said was, was technology problems. The second one uh, I recall was human factor. This took in a lot of issues around things like um, uh, upskilling staff, obviously the staff shortage, uh, training, certifications, uh, the whole concept of the human being the weakest link. Um, the third finding, this, is, this was in order of percentages of how many people actually cited it from our sample of 60 interviews that we did. The third one was around compliance, which was, was actually very interesting because when I started doing the research, compliance wasn't being cited at all. Um, the people we were talking to were kind of some like CEOs, CISOs, uh, a lot of practitioners and company leaders and stuff like that. So um, compliance in 2018 came out top. And the reason I believe that is because we were doing the research in the run up to the GDPR uh, compliance deadline. And the, um, the uh, so this year it wasn't so hot, but it did kind of come back around again and came in third. Um, the fourth one, uh, you're gonna test me now, was on uh, the concept, no, fifth was AI. And the fourth one, I'll have to go back and remember what that one was because that's, that's I, know, I think fourth one, digital transformation was in there, but I don't think that was fourth. And um, but yeah, they were the they were the top three anyway. And then we also put in some of the things like uh, sort of uh, malware, uh, nation state malware, where actually made our top ten, which was sort of relatively interesting because people sort of diss the whole APT trend. They think it's a lot of vendor marketing, but actually, as I, as I said earlier on, companies see this as a serious issue now, whether it's being attacked by nations. Uh, just this morning we published a story about the uh, Lazarus group, which seems to be pretty active, and there's all the, um, the stuff like, um, uh, uh, you know, Fancy Bear and all these APT crews, which we've learned so much about. They, they seem to be really, really active. So that, that was in the top 10 as well. And yeah, it, it, it was a really positive experience to, to do all this and get, and then, you know, repeat it back. And um, yeah, it will come back to me what the fourth trend was before we finish this. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Um, so let's get a little bit cliched and have a little talk about what we've got predicting, what we're predicting for 2020. Firstly, how full of your inbox is 2020 predictions? Um, what do you have more of? 2020 prediction emails or election hacking or other politically angled press releases right now? Just before I do that, the fourth finding, by the way, was about board engagement. I've just remembered. Um, <laughs> the yeah, I, mean, I, I reckon I did a count about a week ago of the number of emails I have about predictions for 2020, and it counted about 50. So that's about a week later. I reckon we're pushing towards 60. Uh, I, I've tried to aggregate it. it, it yeah, it's quite hard because a lot of stuff in there is, is is very unique to each company. So, for example, a company that makes encryption software. We'll talk more about privacy. Uh, a company that makes endpoint security will talk more about malware. They've all got their own agendas. They've all got their own agendas, yeah. I, I, I haven't had a huge amount about election hacking, actually. It's been a, it did actually make our top 10 um, things we found, actually, election hacking, because uh, it was, obviously, it's, it's going to be, a, I think it'll be a stronger subject for 2020 because of the presidential election, which I think is in November. Um, as we record today, it's the UK election, but I haven't seen, the UK election seems to be being fought more on social media than any kind of cybersecurity element. Um, and also, I was delighted that, to see that election security actually made it to national TV. Um, 
if you've watched a TV show called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which you haven't watched it, you can go to our uh, uh, our page. I've put a link in um, to the particular report that he did around election security. Um, and I can vouch for the fact that it's excellent. It is. And that one in particular, I actually made my wife stay up and watch because I said there was someone from cybersecurity on it. Uh, <laughs> it's the brilliant Rachel Toback. Um, she looks at me and says, I didn't know who that is, thinking it was going to be Javad Malik or Raj Samani. It wasn't. It was Rachel <laughs> at uh, DEF CON, I think, a couple of years ago, um, using, uh, showing how to hack an election machine. But yeah, election security, I haven't seen so much of it. I'm surprised. I would have thought more. But like I said, it's probably been fought more on Twitter mm-hmm. by uh, sort of the party lead and TV than party leaders than any kind of aggressive cyber attack, which is probably positive. But yeah 2020 predictions are filing in and yeah with a few working days to go before i ask you like key themes that have sort of stuck out in those prediction emails how seriously do we take them is it pinch assault kind of stuff or uh, how how valid are they i yeah you and i've been covering cybersecurity so long I'm, I've long often, enough to probably know the real answer. i've often wanted to go back over 10 years and find out which actually was interesting now we're in 2019 and i guess I started covering cybersecurity in 2008, and you were a couple of years before that. To go back to maybe 2010 and seeing what was being predicted and see what actually came true, because it's, I expect a lot of it didn't. The one I will always persist in my memory would be mobile malware. Mm. We're going to see mobile, more mobile malware, and they're going to start taking over phones. I don't know if that ever really happened. There has been, I mean, there's been reports this year of uh, state-sponsored attacks on iPhones. One of our findings this year was about spyware being uh, uploaded to the, the Pegasus spyware to uh, WhatsApp, which allowed spyware to be injected on a device by simply making a call. I think you could call the victim and um, the, the spyware was, was, was downloaded. So yeah, that, that's one side of it. But I, I was kind of thinking more of your pretty standard Trojans and ransomware. I don't think we've seen that so much, but I think that comes down to device protections. They're all pretty pretty damn hardened, actually, unless you jailbreak them, of course. Yeah. But. Um, I think yeah. the, the phones, I guess, it might not be malware, but we have seen security issues like phone hacking, obviously, which was huge. I think phones as well are used more as like phishing or a means of attaining people's details, phishing for information, rather than the malware prediction. Yeah, and the phone the phone hacking was very much about entering um, uh, voicemails, wasn't yeah. it, really? You know, it was like, you know, sort of journalists trying to, some some journalists, not ours, and <laughs> trying to get into the, uh, yeah, obviously, well, there was obviously the stories about, you know, uh, you know, Millie Dowler, which was pretty un- unpleasant, you know, tr- uh, trying to get into her, the murdered teenager, trying to get into her voicemail, uh, you know, just by ad- adding, entering numbers and, you know, and doing that, and of course that caused a lot of issues. But that, that just comes down to basic security about how secure is your voicemail password. I, honestly couldn't tell you what mine was because I don't really yeah I shouldn't really read that on a nine security podcast but um yeah it, it's I, yeah I was thinking yeah phishing we get a lot of email um texts and stuff like that click on this I had to advise some friends recently on what looked like phishing so uh yeah in terms of mobile it's an interesting one it doesn't go away because it's such a popular um format and uh, platform and everyone's obviously using it okay so top two predictions you've seen coming out like if you could and not in terms of validity, but in terms of quantity, the, the, the same ones that keep coming in. In those 60 emails, what themes have you seen? Well, I just did a bit of a run through, actually, of, of, of sort of about, I think it's about 12 here that I picked out that looked interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, ransomware in particular, sort of, uh, it's, it's been quite a prevalent one because obviously it, it's a popular one right now. Um, and this is talking about how it's being moved from. 
overall sort of spread in trying to hit everybody to being more targeted. Uh, we did a, an interview a few months ago with uh, Rafe Pilling from SecureWorks who was talking about this concept where attackers will now go into a business, they'll sort of move laterally around the um, the company, the company network, they'll collect what they want and on the way out they'll then you know, know where the vulnerable point is and for example maybe uh, disarm some, uh, some sort of pro uh, protection and send in the ransomware at the end for sort of a final payoff and certainly that's been predicted as being quite a, a new thing that actually we could see. Uh, as I said, you know, we've seen a lot of cities be, uh, be hit and that could be part of a, of a sort of an overall trend towards critical national infrastructure being more targeted. It, it's it's an interesting one around supply chain if for example the council services are, are having some issues then or having some security issues you know, we know all about nhs because of WannaCry. but if you're able to get in there and then infect an entire an entire city network then i think we've seen sort of the start of that this year with say baltimore johannesburg and a few others and i think we'll probably see a lot more of that in next year um maybe another one i'll um, i'll throw in there is just around um uh, the concept of uh, of mobile really and I'll sort of throw in uh, you know 5G is getting quite a lot of traction uh, I'm not quite sure what state that is with the UK in terms of 5G rollout but there's been quite a lot of predictions that's going to lead to an increase in mobile working in um, in for example BYOD ad adoption so this could be something that businesses might think isn't a big issue for security but actually the whole sort of worth building a strategy now for more remote working because of uh, uh, added complexity around how fast the mobile network is. Okay, thanks Dan. So I've come up with a little mini quiz, uh, which is a quick fire round where I give you two options and you have to choose one of them. So before we wrap up, people, weakest link or greatest asset? Greatest asset, definitely. <laughs> Authentication, getting better or getting worse? Oh. Just about to do a webinar on that this afternoon, so yeah, you would have missed this, but you can listen to it on demand. I, I think I think getting worse because I don't think there's enough adoption of biometric, and there's still too many arguments about passwords, and I don't think we're getting anywhere with that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. GDPR, love or hate? Love. It's great. It's a great um, enabler for society and for people. Security awareness training. Effective or waste of money and time? Oh, definitely effective. I think we can put um, we can put dollar bill values on the security awareness. Now look at what Know Before have acquired this this year. They they acquired Culture, Cairo's company. They acquired uh, they acquired Twist and Shout, who basically are kind of a media company who do awareness videos. They do the um, uh, the series which I've forgotten now, but they do. Um, yeah, they do awareness videos. So that, I think yeah, definitely definitely worth it. But also has to be done well you know we, there's too many terrible examples of how it's done badly okay cyber warfare hype or real i think unfortunately it's real um i think warfare suggests that there's attacks on both sides and you know the, the, we could go down a rabbit hole here of attribution and hacking back but we're certainly seeing surveillance and we certainly see aggressive uh i'll say attacks but certainly aggressive actions by certain nations and NCSC have named like the top five nations. I won't repeat them here because you probably don't think of them at the top of your head. But um, yeah, that and, and the governments are aware of this and the governments are acting on this. Okay, and final one: info security or cyber security as a term. 
That's, yeah, that's a tricky one. I actually, did, I did do a, an article on this. Sorry, I keep referring to old content. Um, I did do a content where I, put, I did a Twitter poll. I got like three hundred replies to it. I, I think, I think info security, not just because that's where we work, <laughs> but I think it 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 it's a better example of what we're actually securing, which is actual information. Cybersecurity still seems very vague as to what actually what that means. Okay, always stay on brand. Brilliant. Yeah. So that, I, I guess that's our little podcast version of Point Counterpoint, that game, where we can uh, just quick fire each side of the argument. So, okay, well, I want to finish off today by talking a little bit about what we, Info Security, have got coming up in 2020. Uh, these are not predictions. These are real things that are happening. So first, we've got our Christmas webinar on Thursday, the 19th of December. Um, so tune in for that. It'll be a bit of fun. We've got our predictions webinar on January 9th for more of the good stuff that we started today. Um, we're launching a new series, content series next year, which I'm really proud of that we're bringing out as an initiative, which is the burnout and stress series. Um, we're hearing from our industry constantly through various surveys um, and industry reports that our industry, our CISOs, our analysts are more burnt out than many other industries. and. Um, we at Info Security Magazine have always wanted to serve the industry. We want to be a part of that industry. So we think it's a really worthy cause that it's something we look at through um, perhaps webinars, but certainly print and online content. So please do look out for that. It was also a cover story of our Q4 issue in 2019. Um, our Women in Security event will be back at Info Security Europe in June. And um, well, we've got two online summits, as always, the first of which is in March. Yeah, I think March. we're looking at 25th, 26th, I believe. We get to actually put that on the website, but do keep following us on the website and on Twitter, and we'll obviously get details of that when, in, uh, when they're announced. Brilliant. So obviously, on top of that, we've got all of our usual content. Um, we're just producing more content um, than ever before, news, features, webinars, podcasts. So. A big, big well done to Dan and Michael for the launch of this podcast this year. Ten episodes in, and uh, it gets more popular all the time. So thank you very much for listening to our podcast. And I want to take this opportunity as well to say a big thank you to our readers for sticking um, by us. We get more readers all the time, and this community truly is huge. So thank you. And, of course, to all of our advertisers that support us through the year. It makes us, enables us to bring all this content to you. Um, for free as readers. So thank you to our advertisers. Dan started this um, by telling me that him and Michael had ne only ever done these podcasts in one take, which I thought was a huge amount of pressure that he was applying. And we've succeeded in doing the same. So uh, thanks, Dan, and I'll leave you to wrap up. Yeah, thanks very much to Eleanor for joining us today. So we'll be back in uh, January. So uh, happy holidays, whatever you're doing. And uh, I hope this brightened up the, uh, uh, the Christmas day when you're listening to this, obviously. So <laughs> as I said, look out for new content in the new year. We're going to have content running throughout Christmas, some guest content as well as sharing some of the highlights from the year, such as the State of Cybersecurity Report. Um, you know, you're welcome to download that and some other stuff. So um, until January, we'll see you in the new year, in the new decade. And thanks very much for listening. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast.